We're going to go on into some more times of worship and intercession. I'm really excited because uh, God is just doing something so significant here. So significant. We're not here to put on a show like most of you know. Some of you, it's your first time here. This meeting is God's meeting. And you know what he said in his word? He says, my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. The Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Jesus is an intercessor. Two-thirds of the Godhead intercede. Doesn't that tell you the place intercession has in the heart of God? God himself intercedes. Jesus lived on the planet for 33 and a half years. For 30 years, he prepared for ministry. For three and a half years, he did ministry on the earth. Now it's been over 2,000 years. What's he doing? Interceding for us. 30 years, three and a half years, over 2,000 years. Intercession is the longest serving ministry in heaven and on earth. It's a big deal to God that you would come here today. Many people will see the title prayer storm and go, oh, it's, that's not my kind of thing. And I want to encourage you, God wants to do a lot more today. And I want to share with you some words to bring more vision to what today is going to be about. So if you want to grab your seats, there's a reason why we take out all the chairs. Because we don't want people to get lazy <laughs> and just sit down when you feel comfortable. We want people to be all out, going strong, seven hours, just going for this. So it's great to have you here today. And uh, as you can tell, God is really stirring something in this place. This meeting is very significant. Does anyone agree with me here? This meeting is very significant for the destiny of Great Britain. Can somebody get me the, the Union Jack? I think it'd be good to have that on here. If you could just kind of put it on there. This is what it's about, this nation, Great Britain. One of the words that the Lord has stirred in my heart as I was preparing for this meeting uh, is something I want to share with you. I'm not going to be long. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Genesis 22, 17. Genesis 22, 17. This is the Lord blessing Abraham of giving him a promise of what he's going to do through him. He says, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars 
of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates or the gates of their enemies. That's where I'm going. Your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. Say that with me. Your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Galatians 3.14, we read about Abraham. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, we see that God promises Abraham that his descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Oh, I'm not a Jew. But that promise applies to me under the new covenant because of what Paul says here in Galatians. Through Jesus, we receive the promise. Through Jesus, we're connected to that blessing. Anyone with me here? So, here is where I'm going. We, as the people of God, are called to possess the gate of our enemies. So, what's the definition of gates? Obviously, gates are places of entry and exit. In the Bible, the elders made decisions in the gates. Gates are places of influence and authority, such as government, education, business, media, entertainment. They're gateways of influencing culture and system and society. The nation has gates. To influence Great Britain, their gateways of influence, parliament is a gateway into the city, sorry, into the nation. It's a governmental gateway. Decisions that are made there influence the rest of the nation. And actually, there's an interesting picture of intercession here in that when decisions are made in parliament, the fact that those decisions are made does not mean those decisions are obeyed. Okay? So, the law is passed that you, will, you should not smoke in certain places. The law is passed in parliament. The fact that the law has been passed does not mean it's obeyed everywhere. So, what does the government have in place? Law enforces. What's the job of the law enforcer? To enforce the law that's already been passed, that's been disobeyed. Okay? Spiritually speaking, the victory of the cross is what we're actually supposed to be enforcing. We are the law enforcers. We're not, we're not praying from a place of defeat. We're praying from a place of victory. Because the battle was won on the cross. Jesus is victorious and forever will be victorious. See, Satan is not the opposite of God. You know, people think white is the opposite of black, dark is the opposite of light, therefore Satan's opposite. No, 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 no. God has no opposites. 
Satan tried to oppose God and he was kicked out of heaven just like that. He's a created being. And what he tries to do is he tries to oppose what God is doing on the earth through people that God has made in his image. He can't oppose, he cannot oppose God, but he tries to oppose God by opposing God's work through us. But Jesus then came as us, human, and defeated him on the cross. Forever, in eternity, Jesus is going to be a human God. Jesus is not lost his body. Do you realize that? The body of Jesus still exists. The body that walked the planet, that body is real, and it's a spiritual body, but it's still flesh and bone. Obviously, the blood has been shed, and that body can walk through walls. How do you think he appeared to his disciples? He walked, that Jesus is real, but he's a human being in a body, but he's God, fully God. He, he, do you realize when he made the decision to become a human being, that was a decision they knew he was going to stick with for the rest of eternity. Because before he came into human form, he was the word of God. He wasn't in that human form as he is now. And when he made that decision, that was it. It was sealed for eternity. Now, part of the Godhead will be a human who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you with me? What he did as a human is an example of what he's called us to do. Yes, we're not going to die on the cross for the sins of a nation, but that's a picture of what he's called us to do, to carry our cross and deny ourselves. He says, if anyone wants to follow him, what does he do? He carries the cross, denies his brother, and follow me. Following him to where? Where are you following Jesus with your cross to? You're following Jesus with your cross to be crucified. You need to die. <laughs> the lady with the issue of blood came to Jesus, okay? She touched Jesus, and he says, power left him and flowed through his body, his flesh to his clothes and hit her. How do you think the power that was in him could just easily flow out of him? That's because the veil of his flesh was thin. The Holy Spirit is in us for a reason, to get out. And many times it's not getting out because the flesh is thick, it's in the way. That's why you carry your cross to the place of crucifixion and you die to the flesh. So Jesus is victorious on the cross, and we are standing in a position of victory, but the fact that Jesus is victorious on the cross does not mean the enemy does not rebel against that victory in certain places on the planet. He rebels against the victory of the cross where the people of God are not enforcing that victory. Because we don't realize we have the victory. In the spirit realm, you have the highest authority. Not demons, not witches, not, not powers of darkness, but you. Even if you just became a Christian at the last minute, you have authority over all the powers of the enemy. In the spirit realm, you have the highest authority. And if you don't exercise that authority, guess what? The enemy is going to rebel against that authority. The fact that the law is passed in parliament does not mean the law is obeyed. The fact that Jesus won the victory on the cross does not mean the victory is manifested everywhere. That's why he rules through intercession. We have to appropriate and apply that victory into situations. See, I've got a nine-month-old baby, okay? If some random stranger were to walk into my house, 
I don't, I've not seen him from anywhere. And he just walked into my house, takes my baby, and starts walking out. How many realize that's not going to be <laughs> just easy? I'm not going to just let him take my baby out. Who are you? And what are you doing here? What right do you have to come in here? This is my jurisdiction. This is my place of authority. You cannot come in and take what belongs to me, and I sit there and watch you take it away. The enemy is coming like a flood, but the Lord is raising up the standard. But some Christians need to rise up and say, no, Satan, you cannot come into my city. You cannot come into my neighborhood and take authority. I have authority there because I live there. And God has given me authority. Until you begin to excise that authority, nothing's going to happen. If the police are not doing their job, guess what happens? Disorder. People just do whatever they want to do. Until you exercise that victory through intercession, praise, worship, nothing happens. Now this is where I'm going with this. The promise is that we will possess the gates of our enemy. Parliament is a gateway, a governmental gateway into the nation. Just as it is in the natural, where gates can allow or prevent entry, and uh, uh, gates control what, you know, traffic, what goes in and what goes out, so it is in the spirit, just like it is in the natural, how gates, our doors, in fact, it is interesting, we're singing about opening up the doors. That small keys open big doors. And you know, one of the most despised things in the church is the intercession. It might look like a small key, you know, just a couple of you meeting to pray, but you don't realize that is unleashing. I tell people, if, you were to, if God were to open your spiritual eyes to see what happened, happens when you pray, you will never want to miss a prayer meeting because you stir up activity, angelic activity, Around, without you knowing it, things are moving when you pray. You don't have to feel it. It's happening. Some of you don't realize it. You're not just a physical being. You're a spiritual being living in a body. When your body dies, you're still going to exist, but not in this body. So there's a lot more going on than you can see. The fact that you can't see the radio waves doesn't mean they don't exist. They're there. If you have the right equipment to be able to tap into what's already there. Same way spiritually, you are a spiritual being. In the same way the doors control entry and exit in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. They confine and shut down and control spiritual activity and spiritual traffic. There are spiritual doors, spiritual gateways, and God is calling us as a prayer movement in the land to possess those gates where the enemy has been taking authority for years and decades. We're here to serve him notice. We're here to influence those places of authority. But think about this. Actually, you know what? Turn to Ephesians 2. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on this some more, and then I'll drive it home to one point I want to make. But turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2, it says... And you, he made alive, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, 
The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I'll read that again. Paul is saying to saved Christians, before you were saved, verse 2, you walked according to the course of this world. But the course of this world was set by the prince and the power of the air. And that, per, that prince and the power of the air now works in the sons of disobedience, the people that do not live a life pleasing to the Lord, the people who are not saved. So track with me. Paul is saying, before they were saved, they walked according to the course of this world. It's like, you know, I was speaking to a few friends lately, and I got excited because, you know, in, I don't really know much about computer programming, but when you program something, all you need to do is probably just hit the enter key, and the, the program just runs because it's already been set. In prayer, you can program atmospheres. Oh, I love that. In intercession, you can program atmosphere such that things step into the atmosphere and they, they have no choice but to respond to what the program is. And Peter, Paul is saying, the course of this world has been programmed by the prince and the power of the air. So people that are not saved, they're living their lives according to something that's ruling in the air. And the enemy has set that thing ruling in the air. And it's influencing the lives that people live. It's like, I use the illustration of a radio. There are radio waves here right now, but you don't see those radio waves. But if you have a radio, you can tune into the radio waves. In the same way, the enemy is taking authority. Well, the enemy has not taken, because Jesus dethroned him. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. But again, the enemy, again, like I said, is rebelling in places where we're not exercising authority. And he's known as the prince and the power of the air. And our souls become like the radio receivers. You pick up what's going on in the air. And you start to live it out. That's why you can walk into certain places and it feels dark. And you find that certain lifestyles are predominant in certain areas. Guess why? The prince and the power of the air has programmed and has constituted and has exercised authority in that place. So people step into the atmosphere and they start to behave a certain way. Because their soulish realm, their spirit is picking up what's already existing there. Most people don't realize the reality of the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is more real than you realize. Uh, it says God is spirit. God the Father is spirit. His essence is spirit. He's not physical body, but he says he spoke the world into being. Think about it. Out of a spiritual dimension and reality, he spoke out into existence, physical, natural existence like we know it. That tells me the spirit realm is superior to the natural realm. Adam and Eve in the garden walked in the reality of the two realms. That's why he could walk with God. Even though he was flesh and blood, he still could walk with God in the cool of death because spiritually speaking, before the fall, he was aware of both realms. But after the fall, what happened was, you know, he was created spirit, soul, body. After the fall, it became body, soul, spirit. So the body starts to rule the human race and we're more disconnected with the reality of the spirit. It's part of the curse of the fall. Over centuries and decades and years, 
All of a sudden, we live in a generation right now where most people don't even believe in the reality of the fact that the, the, the devil is real. People think you're crazy when you say things like that. Yes, demons are real. Angels are real. Now, I'm not one of those people that goes around casting out demons and everything. But there's a reality. You need to know these things are real. Because when you're praying, you've got to understand there are things going on you do not see. And sometimes God, God could open your eyes to it. There are angels in this room right now. If your spiritual eyes are open, you'll see them. And out of the spiritual realm, God spoke this world into existence. So, this realm is subject to that realm. If you want to change things in this realm, you better change things in that realm first. Because that realm influences this realm. The prince and the power of the air is influencing laws, is influencing people's mindsets, is influencing behavioral patterns, is influencing people's thinking and ideologies. It was until I came to this, you know, my dad is from Nigeria, my mom is from Ghana, and I was born in Liberia, and I live in Manchester. Before I came to Great Britain in 2001, in my whole life, I came here when I was 17, up until that point, I never met one person when I was in Nigeria, that told me they didn't believe in God. I never met one, I never met an atheist in my life until I went to college. And I, met, I had some friends that were atheists. And we talked about God all the time. <laughs> but when you live in a society like Africa, West Africa, some of these places, the reality of the spirit realm is something you can't ignore, even if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Everyone knows there's stuff going on we don't see. But when you come into the West, the enemy has disguised himself. Blinded the eyes of, you have many unbelieving believers. That's why prayer meetings are dull and awful, because people don't believe their prayers are making a difference. Unbelieving believers, cynical people calling themselves Christians, don't even believe the Bible. What Jesus said, don't even believe it. Yeah. And we don't realize the big deal that is in the heart of God. You know, there's some things God will not be able to do because of unbelief in the hearts of his people. Even Jesus could not do some things on earth because of unbelief. And the enemy has used that thing, his warped mindsets in the West. And all of a sudden, a generation of people are like, oh, yes, there's no God. All we know is what we, we just believe in our intellect, ourselves. They don't realize there's a spiritual dimension. What I'm doing right now as I'm speaking this words, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to open up your mind to the reality. There's more going on. There's something bigger going on than you can see. Believe it. If you choose not to believe me, one day you will. And I hope it's not going to be too late by then. Believe me. The spirit realm is real. Now, it says the prince on the power of the air uh, 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 is the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So the people that are not saved, unconsciously, they're coming under a spiritual atmosphere that's influencing how they live and how they think. Behind every ideology that's antichrist in its nature is a spiritual influence. Ideologies have their roots in many times. Uh, uh, negative ideologies, like what we see in our nation right now, have their roots in demonic spirits influencing those ideologies. And until you see it, you just you just battle in the natural. Just like I did in that, you have to step into that realm and realize there's more going on here. I better step into prayer. 
Now, in, in, uh, in uh, South Korea, uh, there was a huge move of God. And I don't know if it still is the largest church in the world, but there was a time it used to have, they used to have the largest church in the world in South Korea. And it was said that the spiritual birth rate was four times the natural birth rate. In other words, the rate at which people were becoming Christians was four times the rate at which people were being born. And if you go there, they have this place called the Prayer Mountain. Thousands of people, all night prayer meetings, fastings and prayer. You know what they did? They gained authority in the airways. And it was said that even non-Christians were living righteous. You know why? Because their soulish realm was picking up righteousness in the airways. Because Christians that step into that realm, and listen, listen, they recalibrated the airways. In this meeting today, we're going to recalibrate the airways over the nation, over our cities. It may look like not much is happening, but I tell you right now, there's, there's authority, there's potency here to program and shift things in atmospheres over the nation. We've got to understand this reality. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you understand that that's not a statement of the, of, that's not a statement that means the church is in a defensive position? The gates of hell will not prevail is a statement meaning the church is in the offensive position. The enemy will not be able to stand against the church. We're called to gain ground. I love to say this. In the spirit realm, you are a warrior. I know you may feel a bit weak. You may feel a bit like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I feel strong. You know, I don't feel like a prayer warrior. I don't feel strong. In the spirit realm, you are a warrior. You have armor. You, you, you've read Ephesians. It talks about the, the, the armor of God. The only off- offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit. So, Spiritually speaking, you're built for war. Prayer storm is a, is, is a movement that's about intimacy with Jesus, connecting with the heart of Jesus, and it's hard for us, but it's a movement that's taking a stand for God's kingdom in this nation. It's a movement of war. We are a movement of war. We are a movement of war. We're here to fight. We're not here to just have a nice soaking time. Well, I have my soaking times at home. When I come to the battlefronts like this, I'm here to fight. I have quiet times at home. But when I come to a place like this, I'm here to release my voice. And yes, we may even have quiet times here. But I'm telling you, the, pre, the, 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 the predominantly ruling culture is a culture of war. And when I say war, I don't necessarily mean we always have to be coming against the demons and the powers. Because really, you don't have to, in spiritual warfare, you don't have to come against something to come against it. There's a, there's a passage about Jesus walking to a place and demons start manifesting the first words, Holy one of God. The demon starts to manifest because of Jesus' holiness. When you live right before God, your presence is a rebuke to the devil. You don't have to rebuke him with your words to rebuke him. Yes, you still rebuke him with your words. But spiritual, spiritual warfare is more than just the words you speak. It's the life you live. 
The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke, but it's a lifestyle that brings the anointing that breaks the yoke. There's a lifestyle requirement for the, of the warriors that God is raising up in these last days. You can't just live anyhow and think you can exercise authority over the enemy. I always say this. You cannot exercise authority over an enemy you've just been sleeping with. You can't tell the devil to get out of a nation when the devil is very comfortable in your heart. And you're happy with it too. But this is the point I'm going to. God has called us to possess the gates of the enemy. But do you realize just as they're gates of a nation, you have gates? Your eyes are gates. Gateway into your system, into your spirit, into your soul. Your ears are gates. Your mouth is a gate. How can you possess the gate of the enemy when he has already possessed your gates? Pornography is a perversion that's infiltrated the whole body of Christ and the world. Jealousy, malice, anger, selfish ambition, hypocrisy. It's filling us in the church. How can we exercise authority in the spirit when we have already been neutralized? by the enemy. It's possessed our eye gates. We're watching things that we should not be watching. And our authority is neutralized, cut off. We come to pray and there's no power. Listen, you cannot deceive the spirit realm. You can deceive me, I can deceive you, even though I know I'm not. But the point is, you can't deceive, because you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Angels are watching you, demons are watching you. So when you come to pray, when I come to pray and I'm, and I'm standing on this part, I'm saying, God, release your spirit over this nation. I'm saying it because not just the words I'm speaking, but my life is backing up the words I'm speaking as I'm going to war. It's not just my words. See, prayer, God does not speak English. God does not speak English. When you pray, it's not, it's not about the articulate words you speak. God speaks the language of the heart. When your heart is moved, and sometimes you don't even know the words to speak, but your heart is moved, and you're just releasing a cry, a shout, a declaration. It's not so much the words to speak. The emotion in the heart behind what you're doing releases force in the spirit realm. Because it's more than words. Yes, words are important. Yes, I use words. Yes, we have the word of God, and that's words. That's never going to be replaced. And that's something that's high in our arsenal in warfare. I'm telling you, it's the heart. In prayer, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. We're called to be a people of war. But many of us are neutralized by the enemy. Entertainment, we just let anything in. Your TV is a gateway into your house. What are you letting through that screen into your house? Perversion? Will the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father sit in your living room and be comfortable with the shows you're watching? Listen, your ear gates, what kind of music are you buying and listening to? So much compromise in this in the church. And even in fact, not many people talk about it. But you know what? I will talk about it. <laughs> listening to all kinds of perversions. You think the Holy Spirit is pleased with that sound he's not because it opposes everything the kingdom is for sex foul language all kinds of evil 
and yet you listen to him nodding your hand and dancing around. Listen, and you dance around to that music, and yet you come to church and try to dance around to God. Your, your, your dance is not consecrated. Just dancing for whoever. Holiness is about consecration. Consecra to consecrate, you have to separate. And when you separate, you separate from something to separate to something. It's not just about disconnecting. Oh, I'm not, it's not about rules and regulations and all that stuff. It's about a burning desire for God. The athletes, I use this example all the time. The athletes are consecrated onto their sports. When they're preparing for the Olympics, they don't get ready for the Olympics the month before the Olympics. Years in advance, they're going to the gym and eating healthy. Their friends may be eating burgers, but they're not eating burgers because they're trying to keep their body healthy. They're following a strict diet. So when they're hanging out with their friends and they choose not to eat the burgers, how can someone say to them, you're being legalistic? Because they have a vision of something ahead of them. See, holiness, the grace for holiness is, of, is in the vision of the Holy One. When you see him for who he is, you have no choice but to let your life align with that reality. And God is calling us to holiness. And the athletes separate themselves from unhealthy food and time wasters to separate themselves onto their sport. They're consecrated to their sport. In the same way, you should be consecrated to God. You separate yourself from the things of the world to connect yourself with the things of God. Listen, the people of God who... who while in the world, become of the world, lose their authority to change the world. Did you hear that? The people of God who, while in the world, become of the world, lose their authority to change the world. A boat will continue to rain on, on water as long as the water does not get into the boat. Many of us are just sinking. The water is getting in, left, right, center. No authority. We can't exercise authority in prayer because we're neutralized and uh, the enemy is just possessing all our gates, left, right, center. Our mouth, the words we speak. Some of you, you're using your, word, your mouth to sing all the demonic songs of the world. And then you come into church and you say, Jesus, I worship you. How would your worship go deep when you've lived in such a shallow place? It's time to disconnect. Not out of legalistic actions, but out of a vision of what God has called you to. I'm going to finish with this, and then we're going to have some ministry time. The children of Israel had different tribes. They had 12 tribes. Within the 12 tribes, they had one tribe called the Levites. The whole nation is chosen of God, God's chosen people. And yet, within God's chosen people, there is a special force of service that he picked out, the, the Levites. And they were called to be different to the other 11 tribes. There were things the Levites could not get away with that others could get away with. Because they were called to be set apart to God in a special way in service. Now, there were requirements for the Levites. And those requirements were different to the whole nation. Within the Levites, you have the priests. Every priest 
is a Levite, but not every Levite is a priest. The consecration of the general Levites was different to that of the priests. Because the priest is another level up and there was a greater responsibility. They could atone for the sins of individual people. So the requirement of how they lived was different to the Levites and different to the whole nation. Now within the priesthood, you have the high priest. The consecration requirement on his life was the highest. Because once a year, he was the only one that could atone for the sin of a whole nation. And if he didn't do that right, he would die. So within the, high pri within the priesthood, you have the high priest. This is the point. The high priest could atone for the sins of a whole nation. The priests could atone for individual sins. It's the person and the people of God with the highest degree of consecration that put themselves in the position of greatest authority in influencing the course of a nation. The high priest influenced the spiritual condition of a nation because of the level of consecration his life was in. You can't just live anyhow and think you're going to have authority. See, this message is not about a legalistic thing. I'm not asking you to do this and don't do this. I'm, I'm calling you to see See differently. You can call me legalistic if you want. But I know this is the word of the Lord. To an army he wants to raise up. To take authority in the airways. See, the things that are happening right now in the nation are proof of the fact that the church has lost air supremacy. All the laws being legalized, the backsliding state of the nation. The church has lost air supremacy. And right now, most churches aren't praying. Why is it that if the nation were to fall into a great crisis right now, some crazy crisis, imagine, like 9-11 type crisis, I guarantee you, tomorrow morning, all the churches around the world, around the nation and around the world will be calling for prayer for the nation. Why are we reactive when something comes, then we react. Oh, yeah, we need to pray now. What makes you think you're not supposed to have been praying all along? What do you think the job of the watchman is? God is raising up watchmen to stand in the gates and to see when the enemy is coming and rebuke him. We're not called to be thermos, we're not called to be thermometers conforming to the temperature. We're called to be thermostats shifting the atmospheres. And we do it in prayer and in worship. With a life laid down, he is worth it all. You think it's, it's, it's a big deal that you don't watch those movies? You've not had a vision of God. That's why you think it's a big deal. When you have a vision of God, you realize that everything has become meaningless. Solomon said it, meaningless. When you catch the real deal fire of God, forget about religion. You will not be satisfied with a two-hour Sunday service. Looking at your watch, oh, the preacher's gone on too long. Oh, you know, this song is going on too long. I want to go home now and watch EastEnders. We are more passionate about the programs of the world than the programs of his kingdom. In fact, we put on programs and we conform to the system of the world, trying to attract the church with worldly systems, than conforming to the system of the kingdom 
and let the world, let the church catch up to that. In fact, even in the church right now, we're adopting a lot of systems and ideologies from the world. Do you not think there's, <laughs> at the throne of God, there's create, creativity to infinity. There are sounds that are yet to be released in the earth. There are inventions that are yet to be released in the earth. There are ideas that are yet to be released in the earth. But they're going to be released to the people of God who position themselves to seek him in such a way that he can entrust them with such revelations. So we try to copy the world, the fashion. We, we just copy whatever they do. We just do what everyone else is doing. I suppose we're trying to really figure out what he's doing. And I want to you know, hammer some points right here. Do you know there's some fashion that's demonically inspired? To inspire lust in the hearts of people. <laughs> Most Christians don't know it. They just buy the fashion. Oh, yeah, you know, it looks good. But you don't know, you're dressing that way and you're provoking lusts in the heart of people all around you. <laughs> you think I'm crazy? <laughs> see, the, see this, this devil is smart. He's been here for thousands of years. And he's disguised himself in the culture. And sometimes, you know, my wife and I were talking about dressing and things. And people were like, you're just, just legalistic. No. When you dress a certain way that's provocative and stirring lots in other people, and you come to church to worship, when people are around you worshiping, even if they want to be focusing on God, you know what they're focusing on? Well, I don't need to say it. You know. Why do we need to be inspiring? Why do we need to be uh, inspired by things of the world that we know? At? He says, do not cause your brother to stumble. Some of you have good friends. Ask the boys. Most boys in the church are struggling with porn. Many are trying to live right. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone is, but there's a big majority in the body that there's just perversions and lusts all around us. And the sisters need to be helping the brothers by being modest. Not just dressing anyhow, everything showing everywhere. All that is for your husband. Keep it for him. Why do you want the whole world to see everything? Why? Why? Stop it. I'm telling you, because I know what I'm saying. You will probably not hear it in many places. Stop it. We don't need that in the church right now. You can dress and be modest and be presentable and be fashionable without letting everything hang out. Do you understand with me? I'm done. Can the, um, can the band come? Oh, yeah, you guys are right there. Yeah. Do you understand with me? The word I feel the Lord put in my heart is the word about possessing the gates of our enemies. For some of us, we've been neutralized because He has already possessed our gates, our ear gates filled with jealousy and fear, voices of doubt, unbelief, cynicism. 
our mouth gate, confessing all the words of the enemy more than we confess the words of God. Our eye gates, watching things that we know is offensive to God and the enemy has been neutralizing us. That's why we're not able to stand in authority like we should. But today, there's going to be a shift. Because God is raising up an end time army that will gain air supremacy over the nation and the nations of the world. A people of holiness. It's not to say you're going to be perfect. It's not to say you're perfect and you, you never sin or you never make a mistake. But the difference is you're walking in the light and you're going after holiness. You're not settling with compromise. So right now, I want those in the front to take a few steps back. Because we're going to have a time of prayer right now. Ministry time. Breaking chains off of you. See, there's power in the name of Jesus not to break some chains, but to break every chain. And listen to this. Freedom, freedom. We say freedom all the time. Freedom is not the length of time between sin cycles. Freedom is when the sinner is dead. Jesus saw the lady who was caught in adultery and he said to her, go and do what? Sin no more. He said it. Jesus said those words. I'm not making that up. Listen, any teaching on the grace of God that gives you liberty for canality is heresy. The grace of God empowers you for holiness. Not causing you to live your life anyhow. Oh yes, it's okay. It's okay, God. God loves me anyway. And just do whatever you want to do. That's a lot of rubbish. It matters how you live before Him. When you understand what He's done for you, you can't help but live right before Him. And today, there's going to be grace. There's a river here. This is an altar. And there's a river. God is going to break things off people. Can you bring that cross? I don't know if it's possible. If it's not, it's okay. Thank you. We're going to come to the cross. We're going to lay down everything. And there's some post-it notes as well. But we'll leave that for a moment. I want you to close your eyes right now. Flesh is going to be crucified here today. Chains are going to be broken here today. Deliverance is going to be released today. I believe that. I believe that. Now I want to encourage you as I've been speaking, I know it's the word of the Lord. There are people here and this message is for you. And you need to respond. You know why? You can't just sit there and go, okay, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. You need to respond because your faith to what God is saying is released in your action. Your responding is connecting in faith to what he said and what he's saying. And something happens in that moment. So if that's you right now and you're saying, I need something to shift in me. There's compromise. I feel not in a place of authority like I should. There is no shame in that. Listen, there's been times I have been answering this altar call myself. 
But I want to make a point. We're not going to be going further into prayer for the nation until we repossess our gates from the enemy. So if that's you right now, I want you to just begin to come forward and begin to just kneel around the cross as a symbol saying, Father, I'm coming to the cross and let the flesh be crucified in me today. Come on. And right now, begin to pray. Begin to pray. Don't wait for anyone to pray for you. You pray. Raise your hands to the Lord and say, God, I'm coming to you. Today is going to be a turning point in my life. I will not live according to the ways of the world and the flesh. Right here, right now. 